But before we turn it over to folks in the waters of baptism, I want to just take a few minutes, look into the word of God, and unpack the final question in our Explore God series. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. If you have an outline, you'll see that it's all just blank. You're welcome to take whatever notes you want. I'm not going to do a huge teaching time today. But I want to draw your attention to, to one little passage in Mark 10 as we ask the final question. Now, there's something in us that is hardwired to feel like we're not good enough. You ever felt that? I noticed this in my children. I have six children at home, ages eight to 17, and I won't tell you which child this was, but the other night, we were having dinner as a family, which is a rare gift and chaotic experience. And we served something disgusting, like pasta or pizza or chicken or something. And I knew it was disgusting because one of my children was just on a hunger strike. They refused to eat their dinner. And, and so we started, if you've got kids, maybe you've done this, we started the dinner time negotiations. Um, they go something like, you need to eat your dinner. And they say, what if I just eat half of it? And we say, no, eat your dinner, right? That's our negotiation. And eventually it gets to the point that, that the ultimatum comes in. We're like, if you don't eat your dinner, you're just gonna have to go to bed. Like that's the next thing for you. Or you can eat your dinner, go have fun, and then go to bed. You're gonna go to bed at some point, but it'll come sooner if you eat your dinner, right? No, I'm not gonna eat it. Right? And so, right. Finally, the child just looks down at their, their meal, takes a deep breath, stands up from the table and walks up to their room to go to an untimely bedtime. And, and as they turned the corner and started going up the stairs, it's always fun to listen to the thought process of your kids as they throw a little fit. And, um, and they said, I'm the worst kid ever. No kid's ever been worse than me. I'm terrible. Right, which is really sad, unless it, you're a parent and it happens to you all the time. And, and so I you know, went back up and had to reassure, like, you're not the worst kid ever. This isn't the end of the world. We just want you to eat your dinner. Like, it's very simple, right? But I just kept thinking about that narrative. Like, I'm the worst kid ever. I'm terrible, right? All because, right, I'm leaving this pasta untouched on my plate. There's something in us that's wired to feel like we're the worst, right? We're not good enough. We don't add up. And I love it if that narrative went away as we grew older. It's like, oh, that's funny. Kids are so weird. They say the darndest things. But now that I'm adult, like we all know, I'm confident, right? I'm great. No, we we don't say that out loud anymore. But but so often, so many of us, we say the same types of things to ourselves. Lay awake at night. I think I'm the worst dad ever. I, I can't believe I didn't show up at my kids' event. I'm the worst mom ever. Everyone's better than me. I'm the worst husband. I'm the worst wife. I'm the worst friend. I'm the worst child. I'm the worst grandmother. I just don't add up. There's something in us that's wired to just know that we don't have what it takes. Which is why I found the last question in the Explore God series ironic. Because as much as I think all of us would agree that there's something in us that just feels like we don't add up, that we're not good enough, that we can never make the cut, 
At the same time, the question that that we're gonna pose today that you see on your outline is a question that people ask all the time about God. The question goes something like this. You can look on your outline and, and read it. It says, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? You might invite someone to church. Hey, come, it's back to church October. Come with me. And they say, hey, listen, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? Hey, come, why don't you join my Bible study? Hey, why don't you start incorporating these practices into your prayer life? Hey, why don't you step into volunteerism at the church? Hey, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? And it feels like in every sphere of our lives, we are convinced we are not good enough except in religion or for some reason, we are good enough, and so we have no need for God. The, the, the reason I told you to turn to Mark chapter 10 is because Jesus wrestles with someone around this very question. Right? Is it a man who we find out nothing except his life except that he was rich and he was young and he was uh, in power in society? And he goes to Jesus around this very question. He calls him good teacher. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus said. No one is good except God alone. Then he says this, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your mother and father. And we see this guy almost has this glimmer of hope, like maybe I am good enough. And he says, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. For a man who comes to Jesus hoping that he's good enough, for God, hoping that he has what it takes, hoping that maybe the narrative in his mind that he doesn't add up is not true, that Jesus will validate him, that he is good enough for the kingdom of heaven. It takes one diagnostic question from Jesus to blow the whole thing up, for him to realize that in the same way, in every other category of our lives, we know we're not good enough. When it comes to religion and the commands of God, There is, like the author of scripture says, there is no one righteous, not one. All of us are broken and fallen. Now I wondered this week, why is this a question that people ask? And why do they say, I'm a good person, do I really need to go to church? I'm a good person, do I really need to have a relationship with God? I'm a good person, do I really need to be baptized? I'm a good person, do I really need to volunteer? I'm a good person when deep inside of ourselves, we know that we're not that good a person. And as I wrestled with this question, I think that the question itself, I'm a good person, do I have a need for God? It says more about our view of of God and religion than it says about our own morality. Right, imagine the dad who just feels like he's a a terrible father or the mom who feels like she's a terrible mother, fill in the blank, whatever you feel like you're terrible at. Uh, Imagine, right, your child comes to you and says, Dad, I I would love it if you would come to my soccer game on Saturday. It's the championship game. You haven't been to any of my games yet, but I know you're off of work. I'd love for you to be there. Would you please come to my soccer game? And the dad responds, I'm a good father. Isn't that enough? 
Right, imagine the, the wife who goes to her husband and says, hey, I'd love to go out for dinner, just you and I. We haven't been out on a date for a long time and we're living these parallel lives. I'd love to connect with you in some way. Hey, you wanna go out with me on Friday night? And the husband said, I'm a good husband. Isn't that enough? Right, you kind of sense, first of all, you judge that guy. Right, second of all, you kind of get the sense that he doesn't really understand the question that's being posed of him. Right, he's responding as if his child or his wife is trying to put new burdens on him, trying to require him to do more, go the extra mile, labor until he's dead or whatever, when these people are really just asking their husband, their father, to be present because they love him and they want to experience the joy of relationship with him. And sometimes when I hear people say, I'm a good person, isn't that enough? Well, I don't push back and say, no, you're not. <laughs> My heart breaks for that person, right? Like Jesus, I look at them and I love them. And what I think about that person is I don't think they understand what God is asking. Right? God is not asking you to come to church because he's trying to put burdens on you. God is not asking you to volunteer because he wants to lay a heavy load on your back. He's not asking you to pray more because he wants you to do good stuff for him. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you and he's inviting you into that context. I see the same thing in this passage where on one hand, Jesus turns to this man and, and tells him, You've got something between yourself and me. You've got to drop your love of money. But he says this. He says, go sell everything you have. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the last thing that Jesus gives is an invitation. And that's why I wanted to start our time with an invitation. Say, hey, if you are heavy burdened, if you are not good enough, if you are a sinful person, if you've fallen short, if you feel like you don't add up, if you feel like... God would never accept you. That invitation is for you to drop that. Drop the guilt, drop the shame, drop the sin, drop the baggage, drop the hatred, drop the anger, drop the lack of forgiveness. Jesus says, you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. If you're someone who, who feels like God just wants to put a burden on your neck, let me be very clear with you, he, he does not. What God is inviting you into is a life-transforming relationship with him. And the reason I know he's not trying to put a burden on you is because the message that we'll hear today preached over and over and over in the baptism tank is that these people have found freedom because Christ has taken the burden on himself. That even though we didn't add up, God came to seek and save us while we were lost and wandering. Like Paul says in Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place for where we didn't add up. He took our place for the judgment we deserve. He took our place for the disconnect we should have with the Father. He paid our sin on the cross. He rose to new life, and then he came out of the grave offering new life to all who believe. You're about to hear 15 stories or so, not of, of people who got their act together, and not of people who finally just accepted the heavy burden God wanted to put on their neck but 15 people who God took the burden off of them and he took it upon himself and they felt so much freedom as they learned in Jesus' words that his yoke is easy, his burden is light and they cast all their anxieties on the one who cares for them. So, so we end with an invitation. And if you need to be baptized today, come on up. We'll love to baptize you today. 
If it's time for you to step into faith with Jesus, take this moment right now as we pray for these baptismal candidates to exert your faith in Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I, I don't add up. I'm not good enough, and yet you are. And so I give my life to you. I ask you to pay for my sins. I ask you to give me new life, and I will receive it willingly as an act of grace because if I had to earn it, I never would. And so I thank you that you did on my behalf. I wanna pray for these folks who are getting baptized. And I wanna welcome these kids ministry kids. How you guys doing okay? Welcome to church. You guys know this is your church as much as it's our church, right? Are you happy to be here? Are you a little mesmerized? Yes, very good. What grade are you all in? Fourth, fifth, third, all right. We're packing it out, you're sitting on the stairs, I love it. Now you guys are in the splash zone, you know that, right? So get ready, get ready. Let's pray, and then we'll baptize a bunch of folks. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that so many of the stories we'll hear today resonate with our own. Stories of being lost and wandering, poor and powerless, uh, sinful, without hope, without God in the world, and that you found us. I pray for anyone who's still in that place today that, that you, this message would connect with them the message of a God who came to lay down his own life that they might find life in him and that you would give folks the grace to respond to your invitation, to follow you, to lay down their sin, lay down their burden, come after you, that you would sense that you are looking at them and loving them and inviting them into followership of Jesus. I pray for those of us who need to see it in real life that in these stories we'd see it in real life that you'd set up a story perfectly to, to show us about that's what it looks like when someone like me finds Jesus. And for anyone that you're compelling to step into a relationship with Jesus right now, we pray that they would take that step. Anyone who feels compelled to get baptized right now, they'd take that step. And that you would grow us as a church as we celebrate folks that are coming into the faith alongside of us. We thank you for these kids who are here. Reminder, like Austin said this morning, that our church is one that is for all generations. We pray that you would emblaze the gospel in the minds and hearts of these kids as they hear the stories on the stage in front of them. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.